This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from Episode 5, our interview with Tim Jobson of Predictive Health Intelligence, plus, from The Vault, Conversation 39.4 from Season 3, in which Louise Campbell, Ian Rowe, and I discuss some of the other frontline screening tests and systems in place in the UK in the summer of 2022, and take a look at issues surrounding the entire question of patient screening and bringing patients in. This wrap-up conversation comes back to many of the same themes, data aggregation, data transparency, patient enthusiasm. We discussed in the earlier conversations. One note for me, instead of thinking of this as a system that's very complicated, because it has large amounts of data, it might help for you to think of it as a complex problem with large amounts of data that can be simply organized, computed, used, and tested in pursuit of better patient care, which is what this system does. The challenge of cost-effective screening and triage of patients who are likely to be living with fatty liver is already pivotal and will become more so over time as drugs become available, publicity ramps up, and advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis rates continue to climb all over the world. This episode explores a solution that looks straightforward to implement in places that do not have integrated patient-level electronic health data like the U.S. And the conversations cut a big idea into bite-sized pieces. So just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. Tim Jobson. That's where it started. It was patients walking through into the clinic. And while they're walking in, I'm pulling up the charts of all the data over time and getting that view. And yeah, really lucky in Somerset that our data sits in one system to start with. That isn't a necessary requirement for implementing our sort of system. It can all be merged together. But it really helped show the way as to what's really going to work and what's a powerful way of looking at data and, and a holistic approach. But Tim, is it necessary to have the ability to integrate data from multiple sources, that is multiple practices or specialty simply? I mean, it doesn't have to sit in the same place, but if you can't get it all organized in the same data set fairly quickly, is that a limiter for this? I think there will be patients where it's fine. We've got some of the data. It's enough to come to a conclusion. Okay, so it's not going to be hugely, it's not going to be completely limiting. However, clearly, the more information from as more different sources that we can pull together about an individual patient, the better. And we already have in the pipeline the technology that kind of integrates across two, three, four systems of patients moving around so that if the same patient appears in an entirely different data set, we will stitch that together. So, And that doesn't happen at all. I mean, that, that's very uncommon. If you lived at the other end of the country, so if you live in the northeast in Newcastle for a while and then you move to southwest and come to my clinic, it's pretty unlikely I'm going to be able to wade through your blood tests. They, some of them will move with your primary care record, but most of them will be lost. But actually, with this sort of approach, we can, we can pull all that lot together. Once we have the access, the, the, the data set we're using is really simple. So how easy or hard will this to be once you abandon Somerset for all and move to the Greek Isles in Greece? I think we do the whole thing, do the whole thing remotely. Yeah, we can, we can run the whole thing remotely. Jörn Schattenberg. I was going to say, you know, it's great to have physicians in this case uh, think outside of the box and apply the modern technologies and, and think about the problems we're facing and come up with a pragmatic solution, which it, which it feels you have. And, uh, you know, I, I understand it's being developed, refined. There will be data uh, for readout, uh, also cost effectiveness. Uh, and uh, this is just uh, fun to listen to you. It, it is the pragmatics is compelling, isn't it, Aaron? I mean, you know, we've been, we've been thinking, boy, the U.S. has all this stuff. What would you have to do to get close to it? And this seems at a very applied level to be very, very close to what we're talking about, certainly in terms of frontline screening. And it, yeah, you've made it fairly simple. Not easy, but you've, you've managed to take it and simplify the process. And I think some of the responses we have, when we started explaining to people where we're going with this and what we're doing with this, it's almost like that is so simple. It's just like, it's almost too easy to do. Reality is, yeah, it's quite, quite a 
of work to make it work. But the concept is very straightforward. And I think that demystifies it for people and it makes it less threatening. This is really, really straightforward stuff. It's just making sure we can see everything about you. And then which group do you fit into? Do you fit into the group that might have the disease, need to adopt it, or the group that really doesn't need to worry? And And it's as straightforward as that. And with all the data sitting there, this is a this is a fantastic resource that will otherwise just go to waste. So yes, we've got lots of prospective programs to identify people as they come in, better pathways, uh, better screening, better targeted screening and so on, but not wasting that resource of just sitting there and finding the patients who need us before they come to advance and, 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 and we can't help. That's fantastic. I'm a big fan of complexity theory. And one of the things that drives complexity theory is the idea that complication is the enemy, but complexity is the ability to take a lot of little pieces and draw, and draw a through line, which seems to be roughly what you've done here, taking a lot of disparate data and figuring out what the through line might look like. So commendations for that. Closing question, different questions to different people. Where will this be in a year if everything goes right? And then to everybody else, where do you see the value of this once Tim's done what they've got to do over the next year? So Tim, I'm going to let you go first. So in a year, there'll be two things at least. One is we are committed to using this in Somerset, which is great. So we're going to be finding our local patients who need treatment. And that's an ongoing program of work. And we'll give a great immense satisfaction, I think, as we start to treat these people. I think additionally... This will be moving out to be a footprint of patients. And my ambition is that this is available to every clinician on every desktop, where every stops and starts, I don't know. But right across the NHS, all of our clinicians, all of our systems should have this kind of data analysis at their fingertips and they can find the patients for their specialty. For liver disease, particularly at the moment, that's where we are at the moment, but that should be there. And I guess the third thing is that this should enable more research as well, because not all the questions are answered. We don't know how to deal with all these people. And there are huge research questions and huge programs and this can really accelerate the rate of identifying patients for enrollment in research but the technology is usable um, it works we've cracked the big problems it's very straightforward to implement so i'm really looking forward to getting that half a million patients up to five million and then heading on 50 million and beyond just keep adding zeros my friend one zero at a time it really gets big pretty fast um Okay, Louise, your thoughts about where you would like to see this used once once Tim's a little further down the path. Louise Campbell. Well, I'd like to see it used particularly for the health screening because I think prevention and early detection is key because it reduces the resources that we need upstream. And I think, as we've discussed, the advantage of that is being proactive with somebody's care and they take the initiative. And for me, the only way that we're going to save the health service or any health service is to stop people getting sick. At the moment, we're just overwhelmed with illness. And I think Tim did a very good description of that no matter what chronic disease you've got we're we just don't have the staff we don't have the resources and protecting all health systems have to be about into early intervention finding the benefit for this for me is it also picks up those who are at high risk of the other major killers type 2 diabetes heart disease any of the metabolic syndrome components it's going to find our biggest people at risk and we can implement this in children so we can pick them up this much earlier because it is based on bloods so the potential to turn the the system around to be what it's supposed to be for me out of something like this is actually vast for such as Tim I'm sure he's doing himself a disservice by saying it's quite simple but we like to keep it simple stupid on this programme for such a potentially simple system to have ramifications I'm, I'm excited by that because it picks up the right people that we need to be scanning looking elf and all of that 
getting them in quicker. Jeroen, what do you think? Yeah, it overcomes the challenges of not having a hepatologist sitting in each uh, office. And then again, even hepatologists don't think uh, or ask the right questions all the time. So, you know, I think it's a, it's an augmentive support tool. It can operate in the absence of a physician and refine patients. And you can probably, you know, fine tune uh, according to what you're looking for. So, you know, the condition of interest could probably be adapted over time to, if I understand correct. And that might be helpful, you know, in terms we have certain labels that we want this patient, not that patient, or it might be different in a different uh, system, cost effectiveness. Um, so um, I think it's a very nice way of moving forward. I agree. And one of the things I like that we've not mentioned yet exactly is, you know, Tim, you referred briefly to the black box systems before. Uh, some of the black box systems are designed to do very, very fast screening throughput of populations with well-organized electronic records. But what they don't have at the back end that you're describing here is uh, an optical validity test where you can turn around, show a screen to a patient, and the patient goes, got it. When I said come through line on complexity, it was not only can you sift through a lot of data quickly, and not only can you organize and prioritize it, but you you can then help people visualize it so you don't really have to know very much about what you're talking about to see a picture and say, okay, I know what that means. That means I got a problem. Um, Louise, I don't know why you're laughing, but I think that's that's a, that's a pivotal to me at least. It was the comment of you don't really know need to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Louise, I've done 165 of these episodes and I never knew what I was talking about in the first place. So I'm not, it's not a big deal to me. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. So it's bridging that gap, isn't it? I think this is one of the fundamental things that some of the conversations I had recently, the gap between population health and an individual patient sitting with a clinician, whether it's a diabetologist, a hematologist or whatever. So this is a tool that will bridge that gap. We have incredible data sets, incredible insights into our population health. And we also have amazing research that says how to treat the patient in front of you. But we still have that missing gap. How do you funnel through all the patients in the population and get the right ones in front of the right clinicians at the right time so that you can intervene? And it, it really does bridge that gap um, because I can put a, an, an algorithm together and narrow down half a million patients to 25 of interest who meet the criteria. We set the thresholds wherever we like. We set them lower and we'll see more, but you can really focus in on the ones. And then that's a manageable number. And I think population health is often, it's just, the numbers are just too big for us clinicians to conceptualize how are we going to approach this problem? Um, and the answer is you're going to find the patients who need you most and you're going to treat those ones first and then you're going to move on and you're going to intervene and you're going to prevent problems and it's bridging that gap. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section on the page from which you downloaded this conversation in your podcast distributor or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. I'll be on holiday next week, but Louise and Jorn will be here to look at fatty liver disease in Australia. I'll be back the following week with them. So until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you every week here on the Surfing the Nash Tsunami Podcast. Bye-bye now. <laughs>